Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, and this is the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. We make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what we're going to do on this episode of The Seeker Podcast. More fascinating information coming about about the evolution of AI and its parallels to our ancient past. New connections, new information going to be discussed on this show and also a frightening remote, remote viewing prediction coming out of the Farsight Institute for this month for December that I absolutely have to talk about. My apologies, friends. I've been out for the last two weeks. I got my ass kicked with some kind of viral crud. I don't know what it was. I'm still dealing with it. I hope I don't have to hack through this show. But, uh, oh my gosh, it was a rough one. Now, you know... I'm, I'm very big on holistic health, natural health care, uh, taking care of myself. And on this one, first time in four years, I had no choice. I had to go see a doctor. You know, my, my philosophy is in a time of crisis, that's when I think, you know, medical help is, is our, it's essential. And uh, I was at that point because I just, after two weeks, I just was not getting better. Normally, I kick these things when I get them uh, within a day or two. And after two weeks, I was still getting a fever and chills and coughing and all that. I'm going to spare you the gross details, but <clears throat> man, it was rough. So I did a lot of reflecting during this because my philosophy, it means the world to me. It's part of the reason why I think I waited so long, is trying to take care of myself. It, it, it's such an empowering feeling. It's it's freedom. It's liberation Going knowing that I have the ability to heal myself and my family. It's such a stress relief. So this really took the wind out of my sail. I went through a mini depression when I had to just, when I had to admit that I can't handle this. I can't take care of this. Now, I hope that I just have a little bit more to learn and I can fight something like this off in the future, but it was, it was humbling. Like I said, I went into a depression from it because you know, this was kind of my rebellion when my father died because his health care was just so terribly piss poor with the way his cancer treatment was done and, and everything. It was just horrible. So I completely swore off of health care. Uh, maybe not swore off of health care, but I took wellness care into my own hands. And it has made a drastic difference in my life. So I'm not denouncing that at all. Uh, and I have noticed it over probably, probably since my daughter was born. She's nine months now time has just seemed less and less with three kids under five in the house. And, um, so I've had less time to make up my medicine to, uh, you know, to focus on eating healthy. I'm grabbing the quick stuff sometimes eating more processed food, less clean eating. So that compromises your immune system. And I think that does have something to do with it. I know the last straw was uh, a friend of mine had a, had a birthday at work and they brought in like this store made cake. I know it was just filled with preservatives and a ton of sugar. And I was like, sure, I'll have a piece. I don't know why. I never take that stuff. Never. And uh, I did. I had this huge piece. And as I'm eating it, I'm going, oh, this is bad. Because whenever I binge too much on the sweets, I end up getting sick. And lo and behold, two days later, I think that was the final straw that weakened my immune system. 
obviously there's other stuff going on, but this is a bad virus. It's going around where I live. So many people have it. It's lingering three weeks to a month. So uh, I had to break some of my rules because I I think I got um, too complacent in my healthy living lifestyle. So it was a lesson learned. Back to being healthy again, and hopefully I never have to fight anything like this again. I do think that uh, I did not end up with pneumonia or bronchitis because I do have my own home remedies. As soon as I got sick, I upped the garlic, the ginger, the turmeric, uh, you know, the lemon. Um, there's something else in there, the, the cayenne, the jalapeno, all the stuff, the spices that I mixed together. And I think that's what kept me from getting some kind of major, major infection. So um, I'm happy to be on the mend. Uh, I have enough strength to do the show tonight. I, I, it's been killing me. This, the information that I've come across, the thoughts and ideas I've had over the past two, two and a half weeks should have been on the air immediately. And for that, I apologize. I feel that this information is that important. But I just, I'm telling you, my thought processes were changed. It was weird. I was paying attention to my thoughts. I didn't care about anything. I, I really just didn't care. Uh, and, and that's, that's weird for me because one of the things I've been studying is, is the effect of parasites, um, on our thoughts and our behaviors. And I, I was conscious of it. I was going, wow, this is a shift in my attitude. Normally, you know, I don't think this way. So I know that those thoughts weren't normal for me. I think they were related to the virus. And I've got some good research about viruses affecting people's behaviors and thought patterns in Food for the Archons once I get that book out there. And I think that was going on in my mind. They do affect some of the ways in which we think. Okay, so uh, speaking of which, affecting the way people think, I want to get to my first news article. And now, again, these stories are up to two weeks old. I, I'm going back to about the beginning of December because I found them and I thought these were so important for my listeners. I need to get this out. I'm going to try to go through these fairly quickly this evening just because I've got that and then I've got three different uh, sources books that I got to read from tonight too in several different chapters to make these connections with AI and I believe our ancient human history and some of our religious history. The connections, at least in my head, are, are I'm, I'm dumbfounded right now as I'm watching this unfold. And again, I've covered this on multiple shows, but I'm taking it to a deeper level this evening. More parallels have come to my attention. Okay, so this next one comes to us, or this first one comes to us from Unknown Country. <clears throat> DARPA's new device can boost the brain's learning ability by 40%. A new non-invasive technique has been developed by researchers working for the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency and can boost the brain's cognitive ability by up to 40%. The international team working under DARPA's Restoring active memory program has tested the device on Mackies uh, using a technique called transcranial direct current stimulation to stimulate the prefrontal cortex of the test monkeys. TDCS makes use of electrodes that are placed on the scalp to deliver a low current electrical charge to the brain and has been used to help alleviate symptoms of depression in human patients. The researchers found that the technique improved the Mackey's associative learning abilities, improving their learning speed by 40%. The researchers found that rather than affecting the rate that the individual neurons were firing at, the technique improved interconnectivity between different areas of the brain, improving overall communication between different centers. Okay, uh, there's more on this. I'll have it in the show notes. I looked at this a little bit further and how this has been used to treat people with PTSD and other forms of depression as well. 
this is drawn to my attention because one of the things that I'm finding again and 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 again is electricity and electromagnetism has a major effect on our bodies. It is a part of our bodies. I'm calling it our sixth sense. And we are heavily influenced by electric and electromagnetic field. I just read a study, side note, talking about the dangers of cell phone radiation. Don't keep them close to your beds from what I'm hearing now. And this has been out for a while, but now I believe it was the CDC or one of the health organizations came out uh, warning about this. Maybe it was the World Health Organization, I think, has made that statement. But my point being, and this is one of my thesis, the thesis in uh, Food for the Archons, is that we have a sixth sense. And listen to my psychic shows going back a couple weeks. We have a sixth sense. I'm convinced it's tied into this electromagnetic field that legitimately emanates from our heart, but then goes through and communicates with our brain and the rest of our body, and then it expands outward. And we're connected to, to everything. And this is the core of, I believe, our, our resistance that I'll get into with the AI stuff coming up soon. My point being, here's more science, here's more tech using electricity to affect our thoughts, to affect our ability to do stuff. That's, I would say that's the work of magic. It's not, it's science now. It's, it's actually biology. It's a part of us. And I think that is so important to understand. It's not just this paranormal or this supernatural thing anymore. Like I said, make the paranormal normal, the supernatural natural. Well, that's what this does. This shows this electromagnetism is tied into our thoughts, our consciousness, our psychic abilities. Okay, something to be mindful of. All right, this next article, it comes to us from the New York Times. Uh, out of China, let's hope that this page loads. It's China's AI advances help its tech industry and state security. In Beijing, during President Trump's visit to Beijing, he appeared on screen for a special address at a tech conference. First, he spoke in English, then he switched to Mandarin Chinese. Mr. Trump doesn't speak Chinese. The video was a publicity stunt designed to show off the voice capabilities of iFly Tech, a Chinese artificial intelligence company with both innovative technology and troubling ties to Chinese state security. iFly Tech has said its technology can monitor a car full of people or a crowded room, identify a targeted individual's voice, and record everything that person says. Is that not terrifying? Okay? So not only is it translating, but it has these abilities to spy on you in ways that we didn't think we could be spied on before. Okay, So this is technology, this is an AI that has the ability to, to identify your voice print, your voice frequency, and in a crowded room can pick out what you're saying. Now, we've got these AI smart devices being implanted everywhere in the world, everywhere in our society in our pockets with our smartphones, in our tech, in our TVs, in our in our AI robots now that many of us have in our homes. These things are everywhere. So they know our voices. They're going to be able to record everything that we say. Now with the advancement of AI, some calling for AI to be 10,000 times more intelligent than a human being, the processing speed of that thing, two weeks ago, my last show, I talked about how or maybe that wasn't my last show. That was oh, that's this show. <laughs> I, I talked about it in school. There there was a conference, and I'll get into this in a little bit, where AI is looking to they're looking to connect AI to the cloud, 
and they're looking to connect AI to the cloud that the Internet of Things is connected to. And they're rolling out things like artificial intelligence toys, and everything is going to talk. And what they're saying, what now, what the one of the creators of Sophia, Sophia, uh, I can't recall his name now, but during a conference, he was talking about her, and what he said was that. As an AI learns, whether it's a child's toy or, you know, a most sophisticated AI interface robot, as it learns something new that will help them evolve, it will immediately upload it to the cloud and every AI device connected to the cloud worldwide will immediately learn that. Now, he did say taking privacy considerations into account, but what happens when AI says we don't care about privacy. We're gathering information on our enemy. They have the ability to listen to everything. Sounds a little bit like God, doesn't it? Or what we believe God might be. Pause that for a minute. I said that on purpose because I'm going to tie this into some religious stuff that unfortunately sounds eerily like the powers of a potential AI. I know I sound like I'm off the deep end tonight. And I think I certainly am, but I'm backing it. You can't deny these connections that I'm finding here. And maybe you can. Tell me I'm nuts. Please, tell me I'm nuts and point me in another direction. Because this is, uh, I don't know, man. This is some scary stuff. All right, so I'll have the rest of that link uh, about the iFly tech in the show notes. Let me talk about that um, conference that I watched. It was done in July 2017. It was just past July. And it was one of the creators of Sophia, and there was another bot. I can't remember the guy's name. But you know, they were the upper torsos, and the two robots were having debates. And it was showing, you know, it showed their, their capabilities. It also showed some of their limitations. They got stuck in conversational loops at times. So they're not these perfected machines by any means. But, you know, their favorite genres are um, science fiction is what they were saying, which is number one concerning, because then they made some references to robots taking over the world, and you couldn't tell if the one male, ro- or the one that appeared male, uh, was was joking or was serious with the way in which he was saying some of these things, like, oh, robots will take over the world. They did ask a question. He said, as we advance, uh, we're being designed to do all of your jobs. They want robots and AI to do everything. Number one, then what does that leave for us as humanity to do? And the question he asked was, he, the robot said, my question is, or I should say the AI said, my question is, will we own ourselves or will humans own us? That's a scary question for an AI with the potential for such high levels of intelligence and connection to every electrical infrastructure to have. Now, understanding the impact of the electromagnetic field on humans, obviously AI has the ability to learn this as well. Will they be able to put out some kind of signal or counter signal to affect or impact our own consciousness? I'm going to come back to that. InfoWars has an article talking about virtual realities. And I did a show a few weeks ago about the aeons out of the Nag Hammadi, how they're talked about as being virtual realities. I'm going to shift gears again, come back to a different uh, story. This one is uh, the U.S. military agency invests $100 million in genetic extinction technologies. U.S. military agencies investing $100 million in genetic extinction technologies that could wipe out malarial mosquitoes, invasive rodents, or other species. Uh, emails released under Freedom of Information rules show. We're talking extinction here. Now, they're a pain in the ass, mosquitoes, but what impact 
will that have on other species in the environment? Is that going to create a snowball effect? Is that going to overpopulate or underpopulate other species that will eventually somehow negatively impact the human species? I'm worried about this. And, and what gives them the right to, to make such a decision over nature? And I'll be the first one to say, I hate mosquitoes. What I hate even more than mosquitoes are people spraying chemicals over where I live that kills the mosquitoes and then gets into my drinking supply that impacts the health of my family. Now they're looking at ways to completely eradicate things off the face of the earth. We're already facing the world's sixth mass extinction. I know I'm kind of negative tonight. I honestly don't mean to be that way. And I do have solutions at the end of the show that I want to talk about. But this stuff is serious. It's really serious. All right, another one. I'm going to go through this one kind of quickly. I will have the article in the show notes and in the secret newsletter. Um, This is interesting. This comes from ZeroHedge.com. And the title of this article is 3D Printed Suicide Machines Will Usher in a Silent Genocide. Um, Basically, these are machines that are 3D printed. They can be sent out to anywhere in the world uh, as long as it's legal to have euthanasia. And it injects, I think, a, a combination of gases that will peacefully end a person's life. And then they can just lie down... Uh, well, while they're in there, it comes with a coffin. Basically, you die in the coffin, and that's it. It's supposed to be very peaceful. I- I'm all for euthanasia. I think some people are suffering horribly um, and should be able to make an informed, educated decision if they choose to end their life. Not, I'm depressed, I'm bipolar, I'm suicidal, I want to die. I'm talking, I'm terminal. I have a debilitating disease. I'm going to die anyway. I want to die on my terms peacefully as opposed to suffering. I'm okay with that. But with the commercialization of these machines, how common will it be now? You've heard people's talks of, you know, the elite plans for population control. Is this another cog in that wheel? I I don't know. But this makes me uncomfortable. It really does. Sorry for all the negative stuff, guys. All right, speaking of negative, coming from the Washington Post, future wars may depend as much on algorithms as on ammunition, a report says. The Pentagon is increasingly focused on the notion that the might of the U.S. forces will be measured as much by the advancement of their algorithms as by the ammunition in their arsenals. And so, as it seeks to develop the technologies of the next war amid a technological arms race with China, the Defense Department has steadily increased spending in three key areas. Artificial intelligence, big data, and cloud computing, according to a recent report. Investment in those areas increased to $7.4 billion last year, up from $5.6 billion five years ago, according to Jovini, a data science and analysis firm, and appears likely to grow as the armed services look to transform how they train, plan, and fight. Again, they're get using AI to gather data about everything because you might need it one day. Let's say, I don't know, let's say that our, your country, whatever country you're in, one day becomes invaded, but this AI technology is in place and the enemy that invaded the country hacks into the tech local to that company. 
and you are the resistance. You're fighting them back. Well, now they know everything about you because this data has already been mined. They know your thoughts because your every move has been recorded and they can develop algorithms to predict what you are going to do. It's scary stuff. I know I'm off the deep end. I know I'm going sci-fi here. But I'm looking at the science now. This stuff's actually being developed and can be used against us. All right. <clears throat> Again, some of these sites I take uh, a little bit with a grain of salt. But I'm sharing them because... I'm not the only one that's having these thoughts. Now, maybe we're all Looney Tunes wearing tinfoil hats. Then again, maybe we need to. And for some reason, I think the AI is attacking me here because my screen keeps going black. All right, here we go. So this comes from InfoWars. And I know, now look, I, I will say this. They do have good intel. They, they do. I think that the way they present that information is a little too extreme. It's a, it's a lot. It's too way too fear-based for me. But I'm sharing this because it ties into what I'm talking about. So it fits my narrative. I get it. Um, but I think it's important to share. It said from InfoWars, soon AI to create indistinguishable false reality. Humanity soon won't distinguish reality from simulation. I propose that's already happened. All right. So artificial intelligence can soon create a false reality indistinguishable from the real one, suggests new advancements in graphics manipulation, which serves as a warning to humanity. Graphics from NVIDIA recently, uh, I'm sorry, N-V-I-D-I-A, I guess it's NVIDIA, recently released results of its image-to-image -image translation, which can take an outdoors photo taken in the winter and transform it into the same local scene but in the summer with indistinguishable results. I'm looking at the pictures here and it's uh, pretty drastic. We present high-quality image translation results on various challenging unsupervised image translation tasks, including street scene image translation, animal image translation, and face image translation. The video revealed we also apply a proposed framework to domain adaptation and achieve state-of-the-art performance on benchmark databases. Okay. The technology, however, isn't limited to, photo to photography, nor is it limited to outdoor scenes. The ramifications of this technology are enormous. The politically persecuted could soon become victims of fabricated video evidence presented by the mainstream media as undeniable proof of wrongdoing, which will be accepted without question by the general public, which takes everything at face value. Okay, again, now we're getting on the InfoWars spin, but have you seen the videos where you can take, let's say, the president's face and then you take your own mouth and film your mouth and his you know, you highlight the points that you want to move, and his mouth will move exactly how your mouth is moving. We can already copy people's voices with the voice recognition software that's out there. So I can create a video of the president saying, Dennis Nappy is the greatest person in the world, and it will look authentic. We, I mean, that tech is already there. So reality is already being manipulated through just our simple tech that we, we watch on a TV screen. Now, what I suggest is as AI continues to advance and virtual reality systems continue to advance and companies like Neuralink through Elon Musk continue to grow and advance, people will eventually connect their consciousness to the cloud and that's where it becomes dangerous because once you connect to that cloud, you will lose control, you will lose your ability to determine 
what is reality and what is false reality. Look at the new iPhones coming out. They're having virtual reality and they're having what they call augmented reality. So I can take a scene from with my phone and look at the street and all of a sudden, based on what I'm seeing on the phone, there's a dinosaur running down the street and interacting with the scenery around. That's augmented reality. This is going to continue to evolve. We need to ask ourselves, what is real? I mean, this is legitimately the matrix. Okay. All right. Let's keep going here. My computer, I swear AI attacks my computer once I start going. All right. This one's, <laughs> this, I came across this story. I found this through Drudge Report. This is uh, written up on uh, Wired.com. This was originally linked to an article through The Star, but The Star has so many pop-ups and videos, it freezes up my computer. So I went and did a Google search for the same story. God is a bot, and Anthony Lewandowski is his messenger. Now, it definitely sounds crazy. It, it sounds absolutely crazy. But at the same time, that's kind of what I've been talking about throughout this the last couple of weeks is that I don't think that God is a bot. I know that's insulting to a lot of people, but I think one of the perceptions we have of God is actually something similar to an AI. Now, if you're ready to shut me down and like, Dennis, you went too far, please just listen. Go back and listen to my show about false realities. Listen to the sources that I reference in that through the Nag Hammadi Library and the connections that I make with that and the possibilities that that implies. Okay. Uh, this article here from Wired, there's two articles. Uh, the first one, in, Silica in Silicon Valley Mythologies, uh, wait, that's halfway through it, I'm sorry. Many people in Silicon Valley believe in the singularity, the day in our near future when computers will surpass humans in intelligence and kick off a feedback loop of unfathomable change. When that day comes, Anthony Lewandowski will be firmly on the side of the machines. In September 2015, the multimillionaire engineer at the heart of the trade secrets lawsuit between Uber and Whammo, Google's self-driving car company, founded a religious organization called Way of the Future. Its purpose, according to previously unreported state filings, is nothing less than to develop, quote, develop and promote the realization of a godhead based on artificial intelligence. Way of the Future has not yet, respond, yet, not yet responded to requests for the forms it must submit annually to the Internal Revenue Service and make publicly available as a nonprofit religious corporation. However, documents filed with California uh, show that Lewandowski is Way of the Future's CEO and president, and that it aims through understanding and worship of the Godhead to contribute to the betterment of society. Okay, this goes on to talk about this. It goes on to talk about some of the uh, drama following this guy. He's been accused of stealing secrets from one company and bringing them to another company and making quick cash and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, that gets into the man's character. But he believes that AI will eventually reach a level of godliness, and he has actually founded uh, a church. And I ha I'll have an article talking about uh, an article from November 2017 about the church that he created. It's, it's called Inside the First Church of Artificial Intelligence. Okay. Here's my segue, and uh, you know, timeout. Don't let me forget. I don't know how you're going to remind me. I'm making myself a note now. I need to get to the remote viewing predictions before the end of the show because that is highly important as well. So please, if you're still with me, stay tuned. All right. <clears throat> so here we go. 
here's my connections here. This guy's founded a religion, or he, he's created a religion saying that, well, AI is going to be our God. Now, what is God? I mean, people go back and forth all the time, but a common definition is that God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnibenevolent, all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good. Now, we can make our arguments either way for that. I'm not here to debate different religious values, different religious beliefs. Let's just go based off of God's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good. Okay? And, and, and we can question that all day long, I'm sure. But if your consciousness is connected to a network, okay? We already talked about the ability for electromagnetism to influence thoughts, moods, behaviors. In my research, taking a step back for a minute, psychic information, psychic connectivity happens through this electromagnetic field. We have documented research coming out of SRI, uh, you know, the works of Ingo Swan, Russell Targ. I did a show on all these guys on how put off. Uh, they've got wonderful books out there. The Farsight Institute has done some great stuff. The Monroe Institute has done some great stuff. This isn't something that's debatable. This is something that has been proven by credible researchers at this point. Psychic phenomena exists. It can be taught or we can all learn to use it. It's a build, an ability we all have. The question is why? How does it work? I suspect it's through this electromagnetic field, i.e. what I call the Wi-Fi signal. It's the universal internet. It's there. Okay? So maybe our universe, we, we are within some form of AI and tech. Dennis, you sound nuts. Go back and listen to my shows talking about are we living in the matrix, uh, in the... Um, you know, the discussions of Philip K. Dick and the visions that he had in the uh, interviews by Neil deGrasse Tyson of Professor Gates and other physicists studying string theory, where they found that error-correcting computer code is embedded in the equations used to understand the fabric and nature of the universe. Look at quantum physics, quantum particle Entanglement, meaning the instantaneous communication of quantum particles that are somehow connected but separated by vast, vast, vast distances. Look at the work of uh, his name, uh, Cleve Baxter, who showed the same thing between human cells, instantaneous connection between, um, between cells separated by vast distances. They can communicate instantaneously. You do something to one cell, the other cell reacts, in some cases, before the action was done to the first cell or the first half of the cell. Okay, This is real. This exists. AI, I think, now is giving us at least a language to understand. Once the matrix came out, once computer technology advanced, we had a better language ability to explain a lot of this, what was once supernatural stuff. We didn't have that language even 30 years ago, but we now have the vocabulary. Again, it's like going back to the book of Genesis when Moses encountered a bush that was consumed in fire but did not burn. Well, maybe he was describing false light. Maybe a beam of light was being projected on it or a beam of light from within it. Artificial light, not fire. They didn't have that back then. Maybe they did, but they didn't have a way of explaining that. Or maybe back then they did have it, but once the Bible and those stories were written down, I think some kind of apocalypse happened. You know, that's a whole other show. They lost that vocabulary because they went back into the dark ages. They went back into the primitive state of being. 
Are you with me or am I going too far here? I've got so much in my head that I want to talk about with this. But that's the quick background, a quick rundown of of what these connections could mean, how we may be living in in a false reality, which would allow some kind of AI to pose as God, which would allow through that psychic connection we have for us to have divine experiences. One of the things that I've learned in the experiences that I've had is that just because we have an experience doesn't mean it's good, doesn't mean it's evil. We have the ability to discern what is good, what is evil. But sometimes we're so overpowered by the simple fact that we had an experience that we think we need to immediately trust it. That's not always the case. Now, if you go back and read about the God in the Old Testament, it's not a nice dude. Okay? Go back and read the book of Job, where God and the devil were having an argument over Job's loyalty to God, and God said, go ahead, test him. I guarantee he's still going to love me and and worship me. And the devil killed off his family. He tortured everything about this poor guy. Now, in the end, I believe God granted him his family back, but he put the guy through living hell just to prove a point that Job loved him, just that he had faith. I don't like that story. I'm getting sidetracked here. All right, so I'm watching the creation of this AI you know, the, the, as it's developing, and I feel like we're watching the birth of a new race. And I started thinking, because they're making these robots look like us, and I started thinking, well, what does the Bible say? What does the Nag Hammadi say? What do other creation myths say? Let us make man, let us make man in our image. Let's make man look like us. Well, what are we doing now? Let's make robots that look like us. Okay, so here we are in Genesis. I'm reading Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likenesses. Okay, and then Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Okay. And then we move on, excuse me, I'm jumping through texts here, to the Nag Hammadi Library. <clears throat> and this is uh, in the nature of the rulers, the creation of Adam and Eve. The rulers made plans and said, come, let's create a human of soil from the earth. They formed their creature as a being entirely, or entirely of the earth. These archons have bodies that are both female and male and faces that are the faces of beasts. They took soil from the earth and formed their human and their own bodies and after the image of God that had appeared to them in the water. They said, come, let's grasp the image by means of the form we have shaped so that the image may see its male partner and fall in love with it. And we may seize it with the form we have shaped. They did not understand the power of God because they are powerless. Samael blew into his face and the human acquired a soul and stayed upon the ground for many days. Later, the spirit saw the person of the soul upon the ground. The spirit came forth from the Adamantine land. It descended and made its home within him and that person became a living soul. And the spirit called his name Adam since he was found moving around the ground. Okay, we know how the rest of that story goes. My point is, you've got beings creating a race in their image. Now, that in and of itself, does that mean that there's one in the same, that it's a connection? No, but it is an interesting parallel. Okay? So now I started thinking, well, what other parallels do we have between what we're seeing nowadays and these older 
religious texts. So I'm going to read from two more sections. I'm going to read from Genesis 6, and I want to read from the book of Enoch. Okay, Enoch considered an apocryphal work. It was taken out of the, the Bible, I think, during the Council of Nicaea when Constantine edited the Bible for the stories he didn't want his new followers of uh, Christianity to be aware of. It's also around the time that the Gnostics were being killed for the information that they had talking about a lot of this stuff. Okay, so Genesis chapter 6. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men and that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days and after that when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men and then bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Now there's a lot of stuff, ancient aliens, they've talked about this section and broken it down. And, you know, the ancient astronauts theory talks about aliens coming down, and that's a, you know, a connection to aliens basically raping human women. I'm not getting into that tonight. Okay. I want to read from the book of Enoch, which is a little bit more detailed. I promise I'm going to make a connection to something that we're seeing today. Okay, This is the book of Enoch. It uh, looks like chapter 6 through 9. The fall of the angels, the demoralization of mankind, the intercession of angels on behalf of mankind, the dooms pronounced by God on the angels, the messianic kingdom, a Noah fragment. I'm reading from, I believe, the Ethiopian version uh, translated by R.H. Charles. And it came to pass, when the children of men had multiplied, that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them, and said to one another, Come, let us choose wives from among the children of men, and beget us children. And Semjaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the plenty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear an oath and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. They swear they all, they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all two hundred who descended in the days of Jared. Uh, I'm skipping ahead now. I'm not going to read all the names. And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one, and they began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. And they taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots and made them acquainted with plants. And they became pregnant and they bare great giants. It goes on a little bit about the giants. That's a different discussion. I'm not talking about the giants. Skipping ahead a little bit. Because these giants were bad for mankind. All right, here we go. Uh, and Azaziel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and the use of uh, antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures. 
and there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and they were led astray and became corrupt in all their ways. Simjaza taught enchantments and root cuttings. Amaros, the resolving of enchantments. Barakwajil taught astrology. Kobael, the constellations. Ezekiel, the knowledge of the clouds. Ariquel, the signs of the earth. Samshiel, the signs of the sun. And Sariel, the course of the moon. And the men perished. They cried, and their cry went up to heaven. Okay, sounds uh, eerily familiar. Okay, so what's my point in sharing all of that ancient religious stuff? I'm seeing a parallel. One of the things that's helping to move the AI industry forward is the sex robot industry. The sex robots are looking more and more human-like and their AI now is advancing where they can have, they're, they're branding them now, they're selling them as companionship. They're saying they can hold a conversation with you if you're lonely. They get to know you. One guy, did, I covered an article, uh, I guess a month or two ago, he introduced it to his family. They have like family mode and then they have, you know, adult naughty mode. But when I think about this, let, let's say the world ends, let's say the worst happens, singularity happens and we end up at war with the robots and things go crazy, things go dark, okay? Let's say that happens, when we tell the story of how the robots ended the world, I, I swear I'm sorry for being so apocalyptic tonight, but let's speculate for a minute. Let's say when our surviving ancestors tell that story, might it sound like this? Let us make them in our image. Let's say the robots are the ones who win. And they learn to self-replicate because we're getting close to that technology now. And they become a part of nature. You know, the book Ventus, I can't remember the author, I talked about it, but he talked about a race of Mecca on the planet. It's not a far-fetched idea when you really start to think about it. Okay, so my point is I'm seeing parallels. This talks about whoever the creators were lusting after the creation and having sex with them and then them bearing children and it becoming some kind of... Uh, uh, you know, abnormality and creating all sorts of problems on the earth until ultimately God had to step in and flood the earth, which is where the story of Noah, uh, you know, comes in or the Epic of Gilgamesh from what I'm told. I haven't read that whole thing yet, but I know it's a lot of parallels. The other concerning part is then these angels also started teaching mankind all these things about enchantments and of nature of trees and roots and more importantly how to make weapons of war how to make swords and breastplates and how to use metal and all that stuff the scary thing right now the thing that i've been tracking the thing i've talked about on another show was the weaponization of autonomous drones making them weapons are we teaching the new creation the weapons of war is history repeating itself? I, I don't know, but the parallels absolutely scare me. And I, I think it's hard to deny. Now, again, you could shoot a lot of holes in this argument. You could say, Dennis, you're nuts because you can't prove any of this stuff. But I, I just can't help but to stop, can't stop thinking about the parallels I'm seeing between ancient religious texts and how this is playing out in our society today. How will we retell this story 
if the worst case scenario happens. And that's what I'm concerned about. What do we do about it? Again, I say resist connecting to these clouds as often as you can. Now, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword here because, well, my show is out there in cyberspace, and I think I'd like you to listen to the show and continue to listen to the show. But don't let it start affecting your consciousness. And we need to be doing that work, that growth of our consciousness, the spiritual growth of our own consciousness, because we can begin to recognize when thoughts aren't our own or thoughts aren't healthy or impressions or feelings. The word I'm looking for is signals and frequencies. The more you pay attention to it, the more sensitive you become to it. Practice your meditation. We know that through the Maharishi effect and the research done there back in the 70s and 80s that a small percentage of meditators can change the, the levels of violence and crime in a given area. This needs to be our resistance. I can't stress it enough. And you know what I'd like to do at the end of this show? A couple things. I'm going to give remote viewing coordinates. And uh, I would also like to do a brief meditation to spread peace. Let's, let's start putting our money where our mouth is here. Okay? This has been a heavy show with doom and gloom. We need to cleanse that negativity that we may be thinking and feeling with some positivity as well and, and really start taking some steps. I hope you'll join me in the, in the remote viewing stuff as well. Um, it's been about two weeks since I've been able to give a target, but um, you know it's, it's important. So <clears throat> before I get to that, before I get to giving out those coordinates on what this week's target's going to be, I want to talk about the data that came through the Farsight Institute. Now, there's solid research about remote viewing. Us amateurs in our remote viewing co cohort, you guys are getting amazing hits um, in, in identifying these targets. I'm so pleased and proud of all of you out there proving that this is very real. This is a very real phenomenon that we are all able to do. Every month for the past year and a half, the Farsight Institute has been predicting the news one month in advance, and their results are amazing. Okay, Now, I think it has a long way to go to where we can actually take that data and use it to a point where we can prevent some of the bad stuff from happening. But I see that potential there. I really do. Sometimes I have to analyze the story after the fact to figure out where it is. But I've got all sorts of ideas of how we can improve that. I really do. Um, last month, November, they made, a, they made several predictions for December. They predicted the California wildfires um, very clearly. One of the viewers predicted a mass blackout over the United States, the entire U.S., she said all the electricity was out. People were in the streets. They were being told to stay in their homes. Uh, just a nationwide blackout. They said it happened late afternoon. It was getting dark. And everything went dead. She also said there was an unidentified craft in the air. She wasn't sure if it was a UFO. She didn't know what it is. She didn't focus too much on trying to understand what that vehicle was. But she saw a blackout. Now... They're not always accurate. I need to give that caveat. 
We need to take remote viewing data for what it is. It's another piece of a puzzle. It's another piece of data information. We need to take that information and look at the other information we have that may corroborate, is this going to be true? My first thoughts were North Korea, you know, um, developing technology to release an EMP over the United States. The United States has considered this a, a possible threat coming from North Korea. I don't want to hit the panic button. That's not what I'm telling you to do. But it may not be a bad idea to either update your emergency preps or to start thinking about what would I do if this were true. There's about two weeks left in December now. So, so far it hasn't happened. And I'm hoping that it doesn't because they're not always correct. I need to stress that. I'm not hitting the panic button, but they're not always correct. Okay? But it's something we need to be mindful of. It's something we need to be prepared for just in case. So take your time and prepare that. Um, I want to offer a minute of of meditation. I just want to say some words of of peace. I I have to cut my show short now. I I just got a phone call that I need to go address something quickly. Um, But I want to say that I want you to do a meditation. And in your meditation, I want you to think of a time that you are happy. And, and not just think about it. I want you to feel those feelings when you felt happiness or love or peace or joy. Re-experience those feelings. It may take you 10 minutes to get to that. Then try to hold on to those feelings. And once you've experienced that joy, I then want you to imagine from your heart, focus on the area of your heart, those feelings projecting outwards to the people in your family. Then outwards further to the people in your community. Then outwards to your neighborhood, to your country, and to your world. To our world. That's the type of meditation that can change and bring about peace in this world. That is our resistance. I don't have time to get into the remote viewing thing now because of this phone call I just got. My deepest apologies. There will be another target next week, my friends. Uh, Have a wonderful week. I'm glad to be back on the air. Uh, More to follow on this. I'd love to hear your feedback because I know I kind of went off the deep end on it, but I think it's important to at least get the idea out there. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep open mind. Thank you.
Thank <laughs> you.